You're listening to Season 2 of NFT 365. Talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and... What the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365. Here's your host and digital futurist, Brian Fanzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. What's up, friends? Welcome back to NFT 365. And of course, the beauty of you know the space we're in right now is that we hear people oftentimes talking about you know it's 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 building and you know and companies like Amazon emerged during uh, the downtimes. But the truth of the matter is, uh, as much as we love to say those things, uh, I just want to kind of start off by recognizing that you know these times can be tough. And I know for a lot of people that listen, uh, you know, I try to integrate some mental health awareness, some you know idea, you know, not only touching grass, but just recognize that. You know, it's okay to not be okay. And I will challenge everyone that's listening right now as well. If you're doing good, if things are, are working well in your world, take the moment right now. I'm okay with pausing the podcast. Pause it right now and reach out to a friend and just check in on them. I don't think we can do that enough. I don't think we can remind uh, each other enough. And I hopefully we don't uh, wait till there's tragedy or loss for us to kind of bring that full circle. And and I will say like the the part of this that has been also interesting, you know, when we were doing the podcast every single day for a year, uh, I often joke that I wish someone would have told me doing a daily podcast meant I had to do it every day. Um, I didn't, I, I, for some reason, just like got overwhelmed on that, but also just the idea of um, what we had to sacrifice, right? From a standpoint of my involvement in projects, my ability, uh, you know, I researched four hours a day buying an NFT every day, but then I wasn't able to really even capitalize on a lot of the utility, a lot of the value um, that a lot of projects have had. And so since moving the podcast here in season two uh, to three days a week, I've doubled down on a couple projects, a couple uh, communities that just really excite me from a standpoint of unique value, unique utility, and honestly, you know, kind of a, a home and a hub. And today's conversation is going to kind of link perfectly into that because, uh, as many of you know, uh, a lot of where my business has been, my brand has been onboarding brands. I, I always like to say I was the the B2B influencer for a reason. I love working with brands. I am a big, you know, I, I like to say I'm much more of a business focused, you know, early adopter than anything else. But, you know, part of my job for most of my career has been like, I push it, I try to break it. And then I hopefully inspire, help brands to, to see that light. And, and partially it's because like, I, I look at that from a vehicle of exposure and opportunity. And, and the truth of the matter is, you know, the, the language that I always love to use is how do we shrink the distance, right? How do we shrink the distance between the brand and the audience, right? Trust is is not something, and loyalty is not something that millennials broke, boomers, just FYI. It's actually the fact that, you know, trust and loyalty in this day and age where we have access to everything and information and transparency and choice requires a different language, a different conversation. And and super excited to have Joe on today. Joe, thanks so much for for jumping on the podcast with us. You know, we had Steve on, uh, you know, earlier that last week and a couple of things I was going to dive in with his conversation. And he was like, nope, you got to save that. So we saved some fun things. But before we do get into Starbucks Odyssey, get into Form 3 and some of the things that you guys are doing at DJ Network as well, uh, give us a little bit of your background. Uh, introduce yourself to the audience and then we'll jump into some questions. Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me. And before I even do that, I could not agree anymore with your opening message just about mental health and and reaching out and uh, just kind of 
trying to be more self-aware of, of the pushes and pulls against you. And, um, you know, this is a crazy space we live in and it's taxing a lot of times. So couldn't agree more with that. And, you know, with that, my name is Joe Rourke. I'm one of the co-founders of Forum 3, as well as a co-founder of DGen Network. Uh, my, I've been full-time in the Web3 space since about uh, July of 2021, um, but I actually originally got into the space back in 2017. So um, really, really dove in 2017 and became uh, obsessed, right? You go down the rabbit hole, you never come out and started you know, creating content much like you're doing here in 2018 uh, with a crypto podcast with my partner Chamber. And uh, he and I have been podcasting together in the space since then, 2018, which feels like an eternity. Um, and, you know, what's what's crazy about that is, um, you know, you mentioned we're in this down market, we're in the bear times, all of that stuff. And when you're when you're creating content, when you're putting stuff out, it forces you to kind of stay involved during those times. And uh, because we were doing that podcast, I'd always kind of kept a really close relationship with what was going on. And all of that stuff led me to DGen Network, led me to Forum 3. And, you know, prior to that, I have a background in corporate sales and management and things like that. And so, um, you know, that's skills that I take with me into Web3. And it's funny, um, you know, I, I always thought at the time in 2017, 2018, when you heard this term of like going full-time crypto, it either meant that you were a full-time trader or you were a Solidity dev, right? And like those were the two options at the time. And now the way the space has evolved, um, it there there's opportunity everywhere. So uh, just I couldn't you know stress more of like the keep being involved and those non-technical skills have a huge place in the market today. And I'm sure we'll get into that a little as well, but that's a little bit about me. Yeah, no, I love that. And we're going to yeah, definitely connect some of those dots. And, you know, it's funny. I, I talk, you know, my first podcast was in 2009, uh, which wow. is just like a wild, like uh, the worst experience of all time, by the way. Uh, <laughs> how did you, TV how did you server. do a podcast in it, 2009? <laughs> it was miserable. It was, you know, we had the little recorder and, and funny enough, I like, I quote unquote waited two years to do it. And everyone in like my little circle was, and, and this is how crazy it was also is I was talking about data center technology when I launched, like talking about like the most boring conversation you could ever have. Uh, of course, they were all like this like weird interview you had to do in person and you had to like, you had to like bundle the file, you had to add the metadata yourself, upload it to this FTP server. And that just got it to Apple, like let alone the next like six hours to get it to the, you know, into these other like three or four uh, apps that were out. Uh, but I also think of it from like that standpoint of, you know, it connects to a lot of the space that we're in now. And, and when you said, uh, you know, like that idea of, you know, what it means to be full-time Web3, it actually reminded me of back then when people would be like, oh, I'm a full-time podcaster. And I was like, what? Like what? It, and, and what that really meant for them was they were either they were doing podcasts for their friends or their, their brand was doing it, right? Like they're from a creator and we've come a long way from like what that meant as a creator. And, and as you mentioned, like even 2018, 2019, and, you know, and I was blessed, you know, I, you know, being a creator for a long while, uh, I was exposed to a lot of it, but I will tell you, I was the like anti, um, you know, creating content around crypto. Uh, actually a good friend of mine, uh, Joel Com, who, who's the host of the bad crypto podcast. Uh, he had me on the show and the entire time they were trying to convince me uh, to buy Bitcoin, convince me to jump <laughs> in. 
And I kept telling them to keep their, their monopoly money and they can continue to play with their, you know, interesting. And, and part of the reason I was on was because my background, data center and blockchain, I was, I was bullish as all hell on blockchain. I mean, as, as but the like, financial side, the, the, that side of it just scared the hell out of me. It still kind of does today just because the idea of like, where do we innovate and where do we allow certain things to, to change? And I'm going to pick your brain a little bit on that as well. I'm curious, you know, you mentioned the kind of 2018, 19 kind of leaning this space. We both started in NFTs almost the exact time. My first purchase uh, of an NFT was July of, of 21 uh, as well, which is, you know, what, what a wild, <laughs> what a wild time those that summer was and that fall was on all that journey. But I, I'm actually more curious to kind of start the conversation on, you know, from your background kind of pre crypto, discovering crypto, and then leaning in, you know, as you started to look at like the space and even like, like first, you know, NFT, dipping your toe in NFT, was there like glaring problems that you looked at this space that was going to solve? Like what was about the space that like excited you to kind of lean into that idea of like, hey, I'm, maybe I'm going to be full time or maybe this is a space that we can grow some businesses in? Yeah, it's funny. So um, to clarify, I jumped in, I started working full time in the space in 20, uh, in July, 2021. But it to this is a perfect question for that background because when I started in crypto, it was 2017, and then it was really 2018, early 2019, when I first got exposed to NFTs. And wow. at the time, like the this 721 standard had like really just come out, and there was this you know, in 2017, there really wasn't a crypto Twitter. It was, you got all your information from Reddit still. And uh, th that started evolving and Twitter became kind of the place to hang out. And the first ever NFT that I uh, was exposed to was this, I mean, straight up Ponzi. Uh, it was, it was called Crypto All-Stars. And essentially what it was is, you know, you had all these Twitter influencers for the first time. And somebody created like trading cards of the crypto influencers. And wow. it was, it was like straight up Ponzi where you bought it. And as soon as somebody bought it, it automatically relisted at a higher price. And it was like straight up game of hot potato. And, but it was the first time I'd really thought about what an NFT was and the concept of like that uniquely digitally owned item right and so like a, a digital trading card and that is what opened my eyes to like oh this space can be much more than you know trading trading shit coins and and things like that there's actually something here i that struck with me uh, immediately because i had come from a collecting background like i was a physical collector of cards memorabilia things like that and as I saw this like starting to come to fruition in 2018, it's funny. I like looked back on my journey here not too long ago, and I actually found a one sheeter proposal that I wrote to somebody in April of 2019 for a decentralized art marketplace. And, wow. <laughs> and wow. yeah, and it was like, I looked at the time, the date stamp on it. And it's literally like a month after like OpenSea launched. And I was wow. like, and, and so I saw immediate value there and uh, I probably should have like figured out how to make that thing. Huh? I could have been the open. It's, or, it's, not, yeah. not, it's not too late right now. Right? I feel like yeah, right, everything right, right. Up right now. <laughs> but so, you know, that's kind of originally when I saw the value in NFTs and then 
you know, the bear market happened and I was so bullish on this space. And when the bear market happened, it was really the first time that uh, I had seen kind of a bubble like, like we saw right there. And so when it was happening, I'm thinking to myself, oh, I guess this was just a fad. Like I, I was wrong. I'll have to go to Thanksgiving dinner and tell everybody that, that I was wrong, whatever. And when you kind of stuck around and the next cycle started to happen and it just got bigger than it was before and everybody had been building cool stuff and you start to see these real use cases form. And, um, you know, our initial, even at form three, our initial thesis was around, you know, how NFTs could be used in gaming. And we were studying a lot of play to earn game stuff. And by studying the play to earn gaming stuff, we, realized that a lot of these kind of token economies were broken in terms of like the incentives and how they were all very extractive ecosystems. And it led us to this concept of like, well, what if you, what if you took these same type of mechanics and had them kind of funded and sponsored by brands in a way that resembled a loyalty program, right? Because what was happening in play to earn at the time, it's like all of the capital of the ecosystem was put in by the users. And so what they're trying to do is get all of it out and extract their ROI as fast as possible. And that just takes the whole economy. Right. And so, you know, we had this theory that like, Oh, well, if you did a sponsored model of this, it would look a lot different. And that's kind of where our original thesis came on loyalty programs with NFTs and digital ownership and collectability and all of that stuff. And it was kind of this culmination of all these things and ideas that I'd had for, you know, a couple of years at that point, but now really seeing the opportunity for it to go mainstream for the first time. No, I love that. And I love that, you know, connecting those dots, right? Cause I think, you know, they're, they're, you know, like for me, I mean, you know, I remember you know, first being exposed kind of the crypto and just the concept of NFTs. And I, I like you, I, I collect baseball cards, but I wasn't, you know, I, I like, I'm not, not a gamer for the most part. Uh, and really wasn't, you know, even considered art artist or even art collector, right? Like I had some art pieces that my ex-wife and I bought, like, but really that. And so I remember being exposed to me like, Oh, that's cool for like this digital ownership on the blockchain, but like, Sure. And, you know, interestingly enough for me, like my first kind of exposure was when uh, Rally, which is a creator coin, uh, you know, let's just say rest in peace now, which is a whole nother uh, story. But, you know, they came to me and said, hey, we want to be one of the first 50 creators. And the model was actually tied to what I had done on podcasts. So like my podcasts, you know, I, I jokingly say you could add up my first seven and they don't equal the amount of downloads we got in six months of this one. So like, that's why no one heard of those. But funny yeah. enough, they were all monetized because what I did was, you know, Dell sponsored one, Adobe and Oracle sponsored another one. And I went to the brands and said, hey, I'm going to create content. You want access to this audience that I have trust built into. But I also wanted to bring them into kind of the fold. And my struggle was always that, like, not only that loyalty, but rewarding, allowing them to, you know, amplify and celebrate. And it's why creator coins, whenever, you know, it was a layer two, uh, you know, L2 on Rally, I was like, wait a second, like, we can create our own creator economy and like tokenize and I can gate things and I can reward. Uh, and I will say like my first 
three months, we're going to brands and saying, buy a bunch of my these ADHD coins, which is the name of the coin. Um, and then you can give them out to our audience and kind of go on this journey with it, right? And, and you know, Rally actually had a decently nice uh, onboarding that was like web two and a half, uh, which we'll talk kind of like what Nifty offers. Um, and I like loved that approach. But then there was also like the disconnect, like you said, like the play to earn gaming, a lot of the narrative around like crypto and conversation. And, and that leads us actually personally into like my first impression uh, with Starbucks Odyssey. And, and, you know, just to also kind of level set, you know, Playboy Ravatar was maybe one of my first aha NFT moments. And I was at that NFT NYC, which we just should call that one the first one, but I know there was a couple before that, but it's the one that almost everyone talks <laughs> yeah, about. And that's like the real I mean, first one. That's the it first is, one. It is the real first one. I don't <laughs> know, we need to like, we need to redocument that because every time we have to like qualify it, but we all know the that first the ape fest. That, that's the one. Yeah, 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 exactly. There you go. Yeah. The first, <laughs> the first one that people was at as a successful artist really counts yeah. as like that. Uh, but you know, like there, when I got the pop-up uh, you know, on the phone, we got the email and said, you know, you're invited to a Playboy party. You show up with your Playboy Rabatar. And, you know, at 40 years old, Playboy <laughs> hadn't been relative to me since I was 19. Like, I mean, and and the community they had built, and I will tell you, like, they're, they're onboarding, the Mint process. They offered first day half the collection in ETH, second day half the collection in credit card, which was like, I mean, a nightmare because they were doing it, not using a, a platform or a medium. Uh, this was also October of 21, right? So it wasn't that fall where... Every project could sneeze and they would sell out, um, but they were trying to like satisfy you know the Playboy audience from you know the the original Playboy audience, also the new one, and it was just a, it was a really one of those moments where like not only did I get utility, but like and I still hold the the, the two that I minted uh, you know originally, and I and I they also they they hired uh, Jen from the community who became the community manager, which. I linked that to Steve's conversation because that was another one of those ahas that I was like, man, these brands, not only do they have to get it where they have to come in, but they have to hire from within. They have to empower from within. And so I will tell you, like for me, like, you know, the Time Magazine and Playboy were the first two where I was like, two brands that not really like on my radar that I'm like now passionate about. I'm active in their communities. And then like when we look at a lot of the other brands that I we minted and we have, I mean, the bag here is kind of ridiculous on the on the brand side. And part of it was because I wanted to see what was going on. When I heard the Starbucks announcement, first of all, it was like, uh, "Woo, this now, you know, this is you know, this is weight that is moving in." And 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 also interesting, like from the standpoint of like, well, we know what had happened recently around that same time as that original announcement on some brands, like I mean, completely airmailing it, completely being disconnected. Others making announcements and then pulling back. And I will say, like, I was, you know, so excited and, and pleasurably, you know, kind of optimistic. But then I did a whole podcast episode on uh, the announcement that came out about passports and stamps, right? And I was very honest. And I was like, I understand, like, I, this was my, my take. I'm curious, just like your initial thoughts on that idea where I was like, I love that they moved crypto out of the conversation. Because you're requiring USD, they're using Nifty Gateway. I happen to be a curator on Nifty Gateway. They had kind of brought me in the fold last summer. So I love their the platform they set up. Um, but then I, I posed the question. I was like, wait a second. Like, if we're teaching people stamps and passports, I'm going to now have to re-onboard them into like, quote unquote, real Web3, right? And at the time, this was kind of like that narrative of like, now, is it more work to educate people? Because we're getting them there, but we're not getting them fully there. And initially, part of that was also like, how do we even have like a hybrid model. And, and I, you know, thankfully, you know, I'm a big fan of what, how easy Nifty Gateway allows us to move, you know, across the different mediums, uh, move an NFT in and out right from wallet to wallet. But I will say the, the, from there, 
to the structured rollout, right? To the alpha that is truly like an alpha and then like a beta that is actually a beta where you're getting the right people and you're testing all of the things that like every brand I've ever worked with wanted to and all of the brands previously, I feel uh, even skipped. It was, there was definitely an element of like really kind of a, a cool kind of approach to that. So take me to through like that initial conversation you had with Starbucks. I know you're not speaking on behalf of Starbucks and we'll be very clear about that. But I, I as someone that like loves and appreciates the work it takes, also the lift. I mean, I, I tip my hat. I mean, I am, I, I'm a fan of what's being built as a holder, as a supporter, but also just a fan of yourself and the team being able to work together and, you know, t- I, kudos to the Starbucks team as well for the risk, but talk us a little bit about like how that initial conversation happened and, and some of those initial thought process. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a wild journey to see like where we've come and like quite honestly, how quickly we've done it. Um, you know, huge shout out to the Starbucks team. It really, I mean, you, you kind of alluded to it, but it truly, truly, truly takes a village to, you know, work on a project like this, get it launched in the time frame we did and kind of execute on a high level with a brand like this, right? There's just so many people involved, so many moving parts all the time. And so, you know, when stuff like you mentioned with either other brands or past projects you've seen is like, it's not, it's easy for stuff to fall through the cracks. And this team that we work with is just so awesome and, and on it all the time. And uh, just, I mean, the effort and that that is put into this project every day is just incredible. And, uh, you know, they, it, they're all bought in from the top, right? And so, like, I think that's where it starts. And, you know, for us, uh, one of my co-founders at Forum 3 is Adam Brotman. And Adam Brotman was the former chief digital officer for Starbucks for many years. So him and his team... Uh, kind of pioneered the original loyalty program. So the loyalty program that you're used to seeing now with the app and the stars and everything like that, mobile order and pay, that was all Adam's team when he was originally at Starbucks. And so um, because of that, we obviously had a very unique relationship with, uh, he has a very unique relationship with Howard. And at the time when Forum 3 started, Howard was not the CEO. And um, we were just chatting with him on just web three in general and what we were trying to do at forum three. And he became super interested in it. And when he went back to be the interim CEO for the third time, he kind of tapped Adam and I and us on the shoulder and said, Hey, you know, let's do this for Starbucks. And so when that happened, it was, it was not, you know, let's do Starbucks Odyssey. It was, we want to do something in the Web3 space. Let's let's do it and commit. And so, um, you know, our next steps from there was last May, we went out. It was myself, Adam, uh, our first employees named Morgan Matoski. She's a rock star. And she, the three of us went out and spent a couple days at Starbucks. And we went through and met with every single one of their cross-functional teams. And it started from a place of education, right? Like nobody knew anything about Web3, NFTs, how this stuff worked, how to potentially execute on it. Like, and and there was no kind of preconceived plan. It wasn't like we were pitching a program. It was, hey, we're educating and let's see where this goes. And um, so we, we literally met with every team and the team that, kind of immediately grabbed hold of this was the loyalty team and they kind of 
talked to us in that meeting and they said, you know, after we explained kind of what we thought you could potentially do with this as a, as a loyalty tool, um, they kind of looked at us and said, Hey, we've been looking for something like this for a long time. And, uh, you know, if you're unfamiliar with the Starbucks loyalty program, it, the way it is now, it's, there's 27 million, uh, monthly active users. And, um, it just from that mobile app is about 60%, I believe of Starbucks orders daily come from that app. And the transact, the, the loyalty program as it is now is very transactional. It's, I am giving you as a customer incremental visits and incremental spend, and you're giving me back stars, which equate to essentially discounted product, right? So it's super transactional way, uh, to, for a loyalty program to work, it's very much how loyalty programs have always, you know, kind of been designed. But what a company like Starbucks finds at 27 million users at, at like massive, massive scale is kind of diminishing returns on a program like this, where everything they do is directly tied to discount line, right? So um, when you talk about the power that kind of NFTs, Web3, shared ownership, um, kind of two-way value exchange, all of those kinds of things with a program like this, it's very easy to see how a company like Starbucks who has all this incredible intangible brand value as far as who they could tap on the shoulder from partnerships, resources, other things that aren't directly discounted product, right? Like it's very very easy to see why they found something like this attractive. We always talk about like a program like this allows you to unlock that intangible brand value and share that with your customers in a way that you've never been able to before. And it's not as transactional. And, you know, when you think of like what Odyssey is at the, at the end of the day, it is a gamified extension of their loyalty program and there's it's basically a game layer that sits kind of on top of or next to the current loyalty program and um when you think about like what the differences are it's very easy to see kind of this super transactional single player me versus the discount right and then you see what happens in odyssey as a participant and very multiplayer. There's community attached to it. There's, um, you know, all of this kind of shared common interests and goals that are being unlocked on top of, you know, just the value of a one, a Starbucks branded collectible that you've earned. And then two, kind of what comes next from that as far as, you know, um, leveling up and, and being rewarded for such and things like that. So um, that's kind of like very broad 30,000 foot view of like, what our first conversations were like the business case and then kind of where we are today. When you think about like if if the, the business case is, is super interesting from a brand perspective about how can you decrease that discount line or at least keep it the same while delivering the value that your deepest that your customers with the deepest relationship are asking you for. Right. And so that's, that's the heart of all of this. I mean, I love every aspect of that. And I have to get to my hat to Adam. I, I listened to that interview in the discord in the Starbucks discord and Adam was kind of sharing. And I mean, it, that was like everything. When, when someone asked me like, Brian, how did I help UFC with like live video or IBM's first face? I always said like, 
I had to have a change agent on the inside that could advocate for like what we are like, it's, it's near impossible if you didn't have like that connection. Right. And there's a lot of trust in that realm, but also just, I mean, I love that you said like loyalty connected to it, but let's be also very clear talking about the highest risk, right? Like when I heard that, like, it, like I was like, wait a second, mobile and rewards being one of the largest global reward brands there are and knowing how much was drive driven from their mobile experience and also knowing how, like, I mean, let's talk about I mean, like, where you know other brands, and I'm not like for me, we build brands up, we build you know the use cases up here. You know, some of them were you know experimenting in a silo on like a in a, an initiative that probably wasn't even going to make any kind of like gross impact or like initial. You know, it was gonna, like, hey, let's test this over with this department, see if something works. I mean, the fact that 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 conversation happened is so you know validating. I also love that you talked about the education side, right? Like, it's so easy for us to drink the Kool Aid in here to go in with what we want, what we think, what we want, like where all of like how we think brands should go. But if you're not listening and educating them and kind of working towards the middle, it's going to be a lot of the disconnected experiences that we have. I am curious from. You know, the the conversation around, you know, and I, I, I've told people, we, we did a podcast episode on it. Like, I mean, this morning, I'll give a shout out to Coach B. You know, I probably have 30 text messages in the last two weeks talking about Starbucks. And it's because they all know that I'm in the in the Odyssey and many of them have just got onboarded. They just received their, and, uh, and Coach B messaged me today and he's like, so Fanzo, you're like all in with the Starbucks. And I'm like, I am. And he was like, Give me the 411. And I was like, all right, so this is what, you know, and I'm like, today, you know, this is my my fifth week and I already screwed it up because I got in in December <laughs> and on week five, I just decided to forget about it. Like I, I took my daughters and I have ADHD, took my daughters to Starbucks and as we pull in the parking lot, they were like, daddy, why don't we run into Walmart first and we can get things? Well, we ran into Walmart, came out of Walmart. They said, can we get Chick-fil-A? I went to Chick-fil-A, went home and that Monday morning I woke up and I was like, oh my goodness. Oh no! <laughs> I was like, no. And so I had to restart it, and 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 my week five is actually this week of the second run, right? And 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 I say that because, you know, like I got Coach B's uh, text message this morning. And I told him I was like, you know, you bring in your own cup so that you can do you know three trips with your own cup, the sustainability side, along with your five trips. And we were having, and he's like, what is the thing you're getting at Starbucks? And we were having this like really you know interesting conversation, but it also like it hit me there, and it wasn't even because I knew we were doing the interview today. That like I, I paused for a moment because I also thought about it from the standpoint of like I am like loyal as as everything to like a couple brands, right? Like Chipotle is a is like a personal like fan. I mean, like my daughter, we got sent t-shirts with it, like big fans of, of <laughs> Chipotle. Um, I'm a you know, I'm a I've flown a million and a half miles on Delta Airlines. I will fly wow. Delta and a layover just because I, you know, I've been around the world. I've stayed 1400 nights in a Marriott. That's not a brag, that's a shameful piece of just my career. <laughs> um, but like I have like that connection to those brands, but also like the the, the part that really hit me that you just said, which ties in how do i share that right like most people like they, they know i travel a lot because it's all over my social but like they're like well brian i i now see that you're loyal to delta and i'm like loyal i mean i will i spend more money like they take care of me as a diamond member you know and i'm set for gold for life because over a million like and so like all of those things play into our day-to-day -day lives and because a lot of people look at what starbucks is doing they're saying brian how's that different than web2 how is that? You already got the reward. Like what now I get something that I can sell. Like, Oh, you're just creating a bunch of gamblers. And like, I think the narrative that you just brought in like this shared experience and also taking loyalty to a, a different direction. And I also want to tie in the content. I don't think I cared that much about coffee. I honestly did not. <laughs> like I, 
I like coffee, but I'm like, I, I moved to Arizona. My daughters were born there. And I like to say that ruined me a lot. Like I switched to ice, ice coffee for 10 years only just because in Arizona, <laughs> you'd be crazy to not drink anything but uh, ice coffee. Yeah. At, but all of a sudden I was in this like immersive experience in that very first time I clicked into the, you know, and I loved, I had the ability to play a holiday game. And then immersive experience walking through the, the coffee experience, like how it's created and the, the beans on the floor. And, and I will say, like, I've worked with some brands on some really cool immersive experience with Patreon, or Patreon, Patron. I said Patreon. I said, uh, Patron <laughs> with their VR, AR. I've got to work with some really cool B2C. And my first impression was not only was it kind of a free flow, but it was guided. It was friendly on a computer. I didn't feel like I needed a headset. But it also was enough to be like, this isn't just like, I didn't have to go take corporate training. Like that, when I clicked on it initially, my first thought was like, is Starbucks sending me to corporate training? Cause like, I don't want corporate, I'm not an employee of Starbucks. Like, I don't want a corporate training, but instead it was like this, like growth in depth experience where I got to navigate around the, the yard, got to, you know, the videos were really well done. Talk to me a little bit about how that conversation went into like, you know, like how are we going to create that, like that shared experience, but also bring people in probably on content or at least content that most people weren't like knocking down the door. Because I mean, I, at the end, I was like, I want to win the trip down there. I want to, I want to go figure this out. But beforehand I was like, I guess I want to learn more about coffee. Talk to me a little bit about that content that's played into the, into the entire. E yeah. I think you make some really interesting points uh, on everything you said there. I think I'd love to start with, where your buddy said, well, how is that different than web two? Right. And I think there's a lot of really interesting things, uh, to think about in terms of why you would do something like this on the blockchain and what the potential, you know, impacts of, of that are first and foremost, right. It's like part of the, the shared value that you talk about, right. It only, is truly shared value if there's ownership behind it, right? Otherwise, what you have is just a badge. And we've seen stuff like that before with Foursquare and things like that. And, you know, what I think is really unique here is that, you know, with the digital collectibles and things like that, they're programmable, they're just different. There's, there's a feeling of ownership that can be programmed to, built upon, stacked, uh, all of that stuff that can't necessarily be done in, in web two plus, you know, the, the ability to transact for your loyalty is really interesting. You, for the first time here, you kind of have ownership of your loyalty points in a way that you didn't ever before, right? Because each of these stamps has points built into the metadata that are on chain. And so as you kind of transact, buy and sell, whatever, your your level inside Odyssey changes, right? It's dynamic. And so which which means you can you could take a potential reward for doing work inside this ecosystem and transfer that value, right? If if whatever you've got, you know, that's not for me but it is to somebody else like that, that is valuable, right? So there's that aspect. And then what's really interesting, I think that hasn't even been tapped into yet. And that I think you'll see it as, you know, web three gets more adopted and more people are utilizing the blockchain. I think you're going to see this really interesting thing happen with putting out 
the your customer base essentially in an open system, meaning blockchain, you know, having all of these stamp owners on the Polygon blockchain means that essentially anyone can see who is a loyal Starbucks member. And um, what that means for you, the Starbucks customer, is that eventually more people will come and stack utility or stack rewards on top of this because you're a Starbucks customer. And so, you know, the, the question I always get, which I think is funny is like, oh, well, what about if Dunkin' Donuts came and they gave you a $10 gift card and wouldn't that, why would Starbucks want that? And I always like, I always think about it in terms of like, well, I don't know, that sounds pretty cool to me. If I'm a Starbucks user, I've now gotten a $10 gift card for coffee from another brand, but where am I actually assigning that value? I'm not assigning it to Dunkin' Donuts. I'm assigning it to Starbucks. I got that because of again, my relationship to the Starbucks Odyssey ecosystem for holding these stamps for being, uh, you know, a, a user a power user inside of this game. And, you know, it becomes a very expensive marketing tactic for a Dunkin Donuts because they just airdropped you all 10 bucks, right. But like, I, I think, you know, this unlock of like, where this value accrual and stacking utility in the future is going to come in, hasn't even really been seen yet. And I think that's going to be really interesting as this grows. And then lastly, for why blockchain is like the ability to collaborate. So you mentioned Delta, right? And Delta has been working with Starbucks for this program, another rewards type of program that they've been working on for many years. It's called Rewards Together. And so what you can actually do in that Rewards Together is kind of link your Delta rewards with your Starbucks rewards, right? And um, Oh yeah, minor, you know, minor linked. Minor, minor linked. There you and, go. Uh, I think I have Lyft linked as well, right? I think they have Delta and has a link with Lyft as well. There you go. And so, uh, which is phenomenal. It's a very awesome program. It's super cool. But they've been working on they just launched it not like around the same time as odyssey actually but they've been working on it for years a couple years and uh you know when you bring in the blockchain and all these tokens are on an open permissionless system collaborations like this become a lot easier to pull off in the future as far as dev time tech stacks all of this stuff where you know in the future you could see a collab with say a delta right like this in which you only needed one way dev like Delta could have put up a wallet connect and recognize that you own Odyssey stamps and all of a sudden you're, you know, unlocked for X, Y, and Z. Right. And so there's a lot of reasons of like why blockchain that are, that are not tied to just like the buying and selling of an asset just because you can buy and sell it. Right. It's, it's much more than that. And the, and the, the capabilities of like the future of and ease of use of this tech is really something I think is going to be interesting in the future. And then your other point about the content. Well, let, me, about- let, me, let me, before you get the content, I might, cause I, I just love that you, that you tied into that, right? Because like, if we think about what, what you know, how we get to put like marketer advertiser on the other side of this, right. From the, the brand side, right. We know Apple has pretty much killed off retargeting and, and lookalike audiences that, you know, with, that many brands B2C uh, e-commerce have used. And that like idea of shared audience is so valuable, right. And like one of my most successful podcasts, you know, advising launch stories was I, I helped a dentist launch a podcast. And most people were like, 
Brian, did you say a dentist? And I will, you know, I will openly admit, I would rather get a, a Mike Tyson tattoo on my face than go to the dentist. Like a dentist is just like the thing I don't. And and people are like, wait, how did you? What was your thought there? And I was like, well, this dentist believes in leveling up, and they're in Scottsdale, Arizona, and they have the, the it's a like a lux. I wouldn't say luxury, but it was like an opt-in type dental experience, and they knew that their target demographic were were those that were. Part of this yoga studio and part of this spa experience that was in in their area and you know, and one of the things we did was like well let's go and create a podcast where we interview people about their lifestyle and improving their things not about your teeth because no one wants to listen to a podcast about your teeth and the the whole idea was like we know there's a shared audience now the disconnect was how could we figure out who their audience was? Was there a way for us to just say, if you own the spa NFT and you own the yoga NFT, you get now access to exclusive content. Like that to me, unlock is like, I mean, that's where this NFT to me. Oh goes yeah. Into a whole I mean, stratosphere. It's wild when you think about it from that standpoint, right? Like I always think of this as I think of NFTs in general as a data layer, meaning, yes. and, and, and so like separate the, separate speculation from it, separate, separate all of that stuff. Right. And when you think of like what an NFT is, it's a file format, it's a data layer. Right. And then, and that data is open and that's the big difference, right? Like there's data out there that all of these companies have now and it's just closed. And so, but when you, when you think of like these collaborative things, everybody's systems are also different. So when you when you open that up and put it on a, a consensus mechanism that's like a blockchain, right? Well, now that becomes really easy to transfer, transact, and and, and this idea of interoperability it becomes uh, real, right? And so like your dentist podcast can talk to your massage envy podcast, like uh, NFT yep. holders, and and then there's you know. There, the the idea that um, I guess an NFT is also kind of like a permanent cookie, right? And like we're seeing the the disappearance of or like the you know the cookies cooking people on your website that's like kind of becoming a a taboo topic, right? And so as that kind of goes away. Uh, also, you know, you could be cookied on accident. I could go to a website and just that mm -hmm. I didn't even mean to be there and I click it. Okay. To go to the next screen, but it really doesn't say anything about me. Uh, the NFTs I hold in my wallet say a lot about me. Right. And so like, when you look at my wallet, you could say, you could paint a pretty good picture of, of what I'm interested in and who I am. And so I think from like a marketing standpoint, you're going to see a ton of that. And then but like lastly, right, who who has the power in that situation? It's the user. It's the person that owns yes. that data. Because again, with the like Starbucks uh, Dunkin' Donuts scenario, right, instead of instead of somebody paying Starbucks to get access to all their data and you, the user, just getting targeted ads to you, right, it's like you're the one that reaps the benefit in this in this situation of, of open data. So I think there's a ton there that, um, you know, I love it like because it's the question we have to answer most when we talk about this is like why would you why would they do this on the blockchain like what's the unlock of blockchain and I think there's so many reasons to do something like this on the blockchain that it's it, I enjoy answering the question because you get done answering it and people are like huh <laughs> you know and so it's amazing, yeah, it's amazing sure. too, right because like this is the use cases where I think that, you know when you're at the dinner dinner you're at the Thanksgiving 
And they're like, I don't understand why monkey photos are worth what they are, right? Like, cause like that's the the narrative, right? When you walk down this idea, right? And I always say, like, you know, one of the keynotes I give is press the damn button and tell your story, put yourself out there. And and people often talk about like, well, I'm so open and I'm vulnerable. And and the funny thing about like retargeting and like you know, average no one has ever complained. Like, I I for one, like if I open Facebook and on the side banner, it's like, hey, you left in your uh Amazon uh cart your hat that you didn't check out. I'm like, Oh, thank God. Like Amazon just reminded me, right? Like the, <laughs> the idea of like loyalty based on the things we want, the things that we didn't like in web two or we don't like, right. Is like selling our data without us knowing using our data to target or sell off things that we don't even aren't loyal to or aren't a part of. And, and for me, like I was actually thinking this, you know, when I was in Canada recently uh, and I used, you know, the start, it was, it was a good test for me. I was in Canada, actually two of my, uh, you know, my visits were, were used there in Canada at a Starbucks. And I was able to kind of, we had that, you know, conversation. And, and to me, just even the idea of like, I have the option of like sharing like the locations that I'm going to and the, and the, like the, the perks and, the, and like you said, like, and that goes into this digital identity conversation, which to me is like, you know, next level of where we're going. Right. And we had Sandy Carter on senior VP over at unstoppable domains and, and her and I worked together at IBM. And when she was at Amazon, like her and I have worked together and we've always just believed in like, we can't, we can't remove a lot of things. Right. And as, as let's face it, as brands, brands don't want to target us with bad information or bad ads. Cause like no one has ever said like, please spend my money targeting the wrong people. Right. Like no one has ever, no one has ever said that, but a brand that, that already has that trust and that established trust. And you're able now to reach out or you're able to airdrop. Like there's nothing better to me than this idea of like, I can decide like brand, you get to know what's in my wallet. Or I can say, you only get to know what this layer is in my wallet. And like, that's such an important piece of it. The other thing you said, which I just, I loved because it was in a text message today was the, there was two people like, you know, in my close circle that are also in Odyssey that got in a little bit late. Uh, and our third person, unfortunately, she lives in Canada. She got the email. And then when it said, nope, sorry. She was like, wah, wah. So uh, sorry, <laughs> Delphi Cat. That side. Um, but, you know, one of the messages I got, which I thought was really interesting was, and this is someone that's heavy into NFTs, right? Heavy, you know, like myself, like, like us. He goes, Brian, uh, I've been in Odyssey now for like three weeks. Uh, what the hell blockchain are these NFTs on? And I just want to tell you, that is a win for Starbucks. It is a win for Forum 3. It is a win for Nifty Gateway, right? Because if someone that lives and breathes it and was like, wait a second, like, what am I transacting in here? Like, how do, what does that work? That is such a barrier right now for us onboarding and rest, like getting the, the average person because we have the maxis and we understand certain blockchains are better than others for certain things. But there is an element of, I just want the experience. I just want the, the you know, for it to go. And so I... I I definitely want to circle back now to that content conversation, right? Because now you also have to get buy-in, right? Because it's great that you're like, hey, this is how it works. But, you know, some of these can be participation trophies, which, you know, for us millennials, we're used to we're used to getting those participation trophies. Uh, and I always like to qualify, you know, baby boomer parents gave us the, the participation trophies. We didn't give it to our ourselves. Uh, but, you know, like there is an element of like, being rewarded for you know just showing up or being on on the app but then there's ways that you can interact and like my first experience was on one monitor i had a you know christmas game that i got to play a game where i was jumping and having a lot of fun like just kind of like interactive online game and on the other monitor i was in this immersive content experience learning about coffee and like that idea of like choose your own adventure style but also both of them are earning me kind of a different style and it also is going to tell starbucks about me as a customer in the future, right? Because there are going to be people that are going to opt out of the game and go all in on the content. There are going to be people that are like, uh, I don't want to learn about coffee, but I'm all here for a game. 
And guess what? The brand now gets to serve their customers what their customers want. Like, holy hell. But talk to me about like, how did you get that buy-in? Because I will say the production of the video, and this isn't me kissing ass because, uh, you know, I didn't know who you were or the brand that was working with them. I did a whole <laughs> podcast on it. The content quality, it was not overdone. It wasn't Starbucks in my face. It was very true to like the roots of, of coffee and like the region. Like there were some really cool components that probably haven't been relayed enough to the team because other brands might not see these nuances and they're so freaking important in that onboarding. How did that content come to life? Because I mean, it really well done. Yeah. So this is an interesting topic for me because I think like I, I, <laughs> I'm always saying right now that like every brand and every business and every project and every person essentially right now is a content company, right? And uh, the ones that recognize that are going to be far and ahead of the ones that don't. And what is interesting about a lot of these brands, Starbucks included here, is that they they have such incredible depth of content that they're creating all the time, right? Like, so some of this content already existed, right? And meaning, but, but was never engaged with. And because nobody's seeking it out because they, like you said, don't want to be subject to something that feels like corporate training, right? So this brand, the brand is playing an interesting game, right? Because the brand wants to create content that is authentic to their values, right? In this case, coffee and coffee education and all of the other things that Starbucks stands for. And they have to do it in an authentic way that to you then doesn't feel like you're taking corporate training. And it, what's interesting is like a lot of this content that is there right now already existed in one form or another. And it had zero use and zero engagement and zero people participating in it. And as soon as you put it into an incentivized gamified format, the narrative switches completely. And instead of nobody knowing that that coffee farm tour exists you've now got you know thousands and thousands of beta users coming in experiencing that for the first time and actually saying exactly what you did which was i didn't think i wanted coffee education but this was really cool and now just on that you've got this deeper relationship with starbucks than you had going into it and now it's it's part of something that you've done and and then you earned against it right you've earned this stamp that says hey i've done x y and z and and that's a really interesting dynamic right and it's like uh there was an article that came out I, I can't remember where it was i apologize for not giving the right credit here but he says at the end he, he goes through the whole journey and he he says at the end that like he sold his, and this is even worse. He sold his holiday cheer stamp for 90 bucks or something the, the week he got oh. it. But like, and so, uh, but he's talking about it and he's at the very end. He goes, you know, I, I'm kind of upset that I sold my stamp. He's like, not because the value had gone up because at the time it had only gone up like two X of what he sold it for. So it wasn't that yeah, crazy. Hit but like, now. 
Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and then, but then he goes, well, because I finally get the value of like what uh, the value prop of NFTs. It was representative of this journey that I took with the brand. It was representative of me going on this coffee farm tour. It was representative of me completing these tasks inside the ecosystem. And I had something there that actually meant something to me. And and it's interesting that the content got you there to feel that way. And so, uh, you know, I, I love the content question because there's so many brands out there that are creating content like this all of the time. And they're just for trying to force it down your throat in ways that you're not interested in. And as soon as you change the script on how you engage with it and the incentives behind it, they, the person who took that journey actually realizes, oh, this was cool content, right? And it's like, it's it's kind of what happens in the, oh, like the best NFT brands do this very well, right? Like you engage with their content so much more than you probably even realize you're engaging with their content, right? Whether their content is, you know, founder on Twitter or, you know, really well-produced videos, right? You're, you're sitting yep. there, you're eating it up and it, and it forms this really emotional bond with the project. And same thing is happening here. But I think it's just so interesting that like, there's so many brands that have this, this plethora and library and archive of just really engaging content that nobody is seeing or using and putting it into a program like this really amplifies it and, and shows what the power of it is, you know, without question. And, and then, and the qualify too that, you know, he sold it for $90 and I think my podcast audience knows, but like I, I had an offer for the same stamp for $2,700 USD uh, not too long ago. Right. So, and, and the interesting thing is, if, if people people that have heard me talk on stage and also on the podcast about Starbucks, the funny thing is that value and that selling, the buying selling of it has not been part of the equation or the question, usually until a degen asks, right? Like there's mm-hmm. someone like in the in like that world. And I think that's also an important piece. And I also want to connect this to the two brands I mentioned earlier, right? Huge fan of Chipotle, huge fan of Delta. Love the Delta app, love the Chipotle app, love the rewards on both of these platforms. The thing that's so interesting on this that you just kind of tied in there was what is like my brand journey documented? Like on the top of my Delta thing, it says diamond seven years. I, I can tell you I've been to 76 countries. The only reason I can tell you that is I was audited because I have a top secret security clearance for the US government. And I had it when every time I left the country, for my first 58 countries, I had to get it approved by the embassy. And so like when I left, I was like, oh, I have 58. That's kind of cool. They told me I just been adding on. But like, how neat would that be for me to be able to have something to demonstrate it, right? Like the fact that my daughter's like, we for their birthday, I did a slideshow and I did a, the years through Chipotle. And you know how I found that? I had to find, use like advanced search on Google and all to find like iSocial fans in Chipotle. And think about that from like a brand, like there's like, it's such a, and like with the Starbucks one, I, not only do I get this experience of going on the journey, but like the, the, the mix of gamification and for those that haven't seen it, right? Like there's a beautiful mix. And I, I stress this with like storytelling where there's like short-term incentives and wins and quizzes. And then there's longer term things, right? Five weeks, one coffee a week for five weeks in a row. There's, you know, visit with three. And I will tell you another one is like, they're one of their pillars of uh, sustainability. I didn't know that a, I got a little bit of a discount and that I could just reuse a cup or bring that in. Like that was completely brand new. Like I hate uh, you know, just for the record, I hate straws that are made out of paper. Uh, I like that side of the world. Preach. And like we pick something like not in our mouth, like every minute that, that gets soggy. Right. But like, I am all for like, you give me an option that says like, oh, I can bring in my own cup. And like, 
Like it's like a, it was, and I will tell you, I have three daughters, 13, 11, and nine. We were in the car and they're like, daddy, why are you bringing that in? I was like, well, girls, I'm going to get a refill for this thing. There's that NFT. And of course my daughter's like that art thing. And I was like, well, you know, I'm getting rewarded and, and, and they've heard me have conversations with the barista and they, they think I'm like the silly dad that's like, you know, talking about like, and, and I will tell you the, 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 of the coffee shops, and I've tweeted this out a bunch of times, six of the eight that I brought the conversation up to the, the, the those that are working were very familiar with it. Like, And and I oh, will say, even the one, awesome. one of the ones in, in Canada was even very familiar with it because we were just laughing like, oh, sorry, you can't do it, but I had to make sure that I got my my scan because I wasn't coming home. And she was like, oh my goodness, is that the... Uh, and and she, she immediately was like, the Odyssey stamp thing, she's like, can you show me? Right, so like I, I literally pulled out my my wallet, went to the Nifty Gateway site because you know, and it also helps like having that little bit of experience. But I will also say like think about that from like Delta and and Chipotle and and the amount of content. Like I've been targeted. Like I I'm very blessed. Like as a content creator, influencer, someone that you know on stages, like the the company Purple, which is like the brand that does uh, you know beds and things. You know they they said, hey Brian, we need your address. We need to send you pillows. And I was like for what? Like, there's no brand deal here. And like, I thought they were, you know, they're like, no, we just want to reward you and incentivize. Well, long story short, like nine months later, we had multiple conversations. I was like, Hey, what can we do to work? And I was like, why did you target me? And they're like, your love for travel and your commitment to Marriott loyalty. We knew your appreciation of a certain style of our pillow would be something that you would be, would value. And I remember thinking in my head, this is an example of why people have to be content creators and tell their stories and put stuff out there. But there's also that I was like, Oh God, if I'd say that I'm gonna have a bunch of people tweeting about what beds they sleep on trying to get free stuff. Right? <laughs> and so like there has to be like that beautiful balance and the balance being you can actually have access to this loyalty. They, they could actually tap in and say, let's look at all the people in this region that have a Marriott NFT that also you know, like have these other things. And that's on the blockchain. Right. And it benefits. Cause now I'm like, Wow, because I have a Marriott NFT, I got this reward. To your point, it kind of goes, you know, kind of that full circle. And I think like the the part that scares me with the Starbucks example is that there are a lot of moving parts from the storytelling to brand, you know, established trust, right? Like there's almost like an, a, a lot of implied things there, but also like very methodical. Like I will tell you, like the point system is very clear, but it's not overly descriptive because you're not putting yourself in a spot that like screws you over, right? But then I have to give kudos to the rollout. And Steve and I geeked out about this uh, after the podcast for like 45 minutes. I so appreciate a great alpha beta testing rollout. And I will tell you, when I got opted in and I like jumped in the Discord because I wanted to be first and, and I was like, oh, wait, <laughs> they didn't like open the floodgate. And then I think my very first Discord comment ever in the, the, the Starbucks Odyssey one was, I hope you're not opening the floodgate soon. And like everyone's reply was like, yeah, we want to be the only ones that have the stamps. And I was like... <laughs> I was like, I promise that's not the reason. I was like, because I believe not only there's the testing element, right? But like scaling customer support tickets, scaling like this mobile app is the essential for this brand. And anything that would all of a sudden put stress on that or they need to you know, add different, you know, cloud communication, you know, also the point of sale transaction, real time back and forth. Like I've said that a lot. Like I bought my coffee, I drive home, refresh, and I have it updated mind blown right like i mean that that is i mean that that's a big big deal so i'm curious from from that side and i want to get into a little bit at the end here what the, uh, the most recent announcement that was put out on starbucks odyssey but i also want to tie it into kind of dgen and form three right because along the way there are there were many things where i clicked on in the starbucks odyssey expect, expecting 
the brand disconnection from Web3 or the overly Web3 to be integrated. And mm -hmm. it hasn't felt like that yet. Right. And I mean, we still, you know, we have plenty of plenty of uh, you know time and things going. But like like the email news, the email messages that we get, very clear, very to the point. FYI, all NFT projects and brands out there, you can't just rely on Discord announcements. Like the fact that like I would not have known, like I'm in the Starbucks Odyssey uh, Discord. I'm pretty active, but I probably wouldn't have known about that announcement that came out the other day if it wasn't for the email, probably for like another week. Right. So like there's a lot of these moving parts. The, be the beta alpha rollout, like I, I know, like, you know, and let's also just add a little transparency. I always tell everybody the only promise and guarantee when you go live or do anything public is something will go wrong. We're recording the podcast. We're re recording this. We're both in two different areas. The internet went down, right? We dropped, right? That, that's just a guarantee. So there's a guarantee in every rollout that you're going to have things going wrong. But those things going wrong are going to happen with, you know, scale of more people, right? More questions. We're like, shit, I didn't answer that on the landing page, we probably should answer that now, right? Because if 100 people of the 2000 care, guess what it's going to care and how much louder it's going to be there as well. Talk to me a little bit about like how how much was that like give and take with like Starbucks and like, because there was a PR rollout, there's a lot of money, like there's a lot of going on this that kind of like, hey, when are you open the doors? Not to mention, you know, NFT holders, the most impatient humans in the face of the earth. <laughs> um, talk to me a little bit about the beta alpha because I don't think people understand how important it is and how critical the, the way Starbucks is rolling this out. Yeah, I think it's it's super fascinating to think about how I mean this was very intentional. Um it the way we thought about it was okay, what I think is so awesome about this too is we really haven't even tapped into the existing loyalty program participants at all yet, right? So like when you think of how potentially big of an onboarding thing this could be for, you know, just web three or getting people into NFTs for the first time. Um, like that hasn't even really been touched yet. And so what we, we, our strategy was kind of, Hey, announce wait list, roll out slowly. Right. And cause your wait list was going to be those active people that took action to sign up for it. So you knew that's better than blasting out to your loyalty program that isn't signed up, right? So first thing we did was put out the wait list and the wait list opt, response. Opt-in, not opt-out, right? Opt-in is such a key component. Correct. And that's exactly why, right? It's like we wanted the first people in here to want to be there, to be engaged, right? And then to, so first step was the wait list. And the response to the wait list was incredible. Uh, it was probably, I would say, three or four times the size of what our internal expectations were as far as how many people signed up. And again, that was without any marketing that was without any tap into the loyalty program that was just based on press right like just the press and so, and yeah market. right <laughs> which is which is interesting and so like uh what i thought was fascinating from the, like the waitlist findings too was like part of it was part of like a, a metric of success is like are you getting potentially new signups for the for Starbucks rewards? And the answer was yes, which is really interesting. So just another like KPI type of thing. Um, but then, you know, the real idea from like alpha and beta and things like that actually stemmed a lot from this thought of community and how we were going to roll out the community aspect of this because. Um, that's something brand new to Starbucks, right? And so it was not 
something that we wanted to take lightly and just like you said, open the floodgates of a hundred thousand people in a discord at once. Right. We wanted to, and, and we wanted to see kind of what the initial feedback was. So we actually seeded the, the group, the, <laughs> the alpha alpha group with like just a couple hundred people in the discord. And, um, mo- mostly that were web three, native because they knew how to operate inside a discord right and so uh but all of that was was very very intentional uh because we see this very much as like a test and learn type of thing you're you're testing so many different things at once right like you said all just the the tech right but then you're also testing how to scale this thing and you're also testing how you're onboarding a web to Starbucks customer into this new experience they've never had before. Right. And like, what does that look like and how do they interact or receive this program as somebody who's never been on discord before as somebody who's never, uh, you know, had an experience like, what odyssey is with the marketplace and how to set all this stuff up. And, you know, it's minimal setup, but like it's, it's new for all of those people. Right. So like very intentional on how we're, we're going to test and learn this stuff and, you know, opening the floodgates honestly would have been a disaster uh, in terms of like things break. And that's the point of these betas is like, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes just to make sure that what you described as far as, buying something and it's showing up on your odyssey to like to happen right like that and it takes a lot of work to you know get people who are supposed to be in the discord to be in the discord like that's a whole different thing on its own right like how do you how do you protect a community to be just the people that are supposed to be there and that isn't in a token gated way because the majority of the people will have never interacted with a token and you don't want to force them there. Right. So like all of that comes into play when you're launching something like this. So like, you know, it's going to break, there's going to be issues. It's going to be slow. Sometimes we're gone. And, but it's, it's all for the greater good of getting there down the line. And so, you know, but most people don't realize like all of those things and decisions and that have to be tested and gone slowly with, and to, to make it a place where 27 million people could use it at some point, you know what I mean? And so, um, oh, yeah. I, I really, it like the, the decision to do that versus just open it up is, um, you know, one that I think has kind of driven our early success with it because the other thing too is, I mean, quite honestly, people like the feeling of being early to it. And, and I think we're treating everybody in the discord, everybody in the program, like, Hey, this really is a co-creation event. Like, tell us what we need to do better. Tell us what's not working. Let us help with those issues. And, um, just creating and fostering that environment of, feedback and openness and community all around this shared goal of making something really cool around a topic that we really like, which is Starbucks and coffee. Right. So, um, long winded way of saying that how intentional it was, but it was, uh, you know, really, I think it's part of why we're successful early on. I mean, I love everything about, I mean like that to me, like the community component, right. Cause like think about like, we're not 
in a Facebook group of Starbucks, you know, loyal star member. Right. And, and that's all like, the other thing that I think is so important and validates kind of like my, you know, when I, my first impression of like the stamps passport, which I mentioned earlier, right. Like part of the thing is like, how do you remove some of the, the, the negativity or the media or like the, the things that like the, the assumptions people are going to make that are the Starbucks loyal customer. Right. And then also how do you make sure that you are still using the blockchain and you're onboarding them in a way that makes sense. And then also how do you, satisfy like the need that you know that the people probably that are going to be most passionate early are the dgens and let's face it i'm you know like those are three different types of customers three different problems three different customer service tickets um and and i will say like the nifty gateway announcement i was like wow because you know like we had zach bunch on from you know that from recur uh, with Nickelodeon and a lot of that onboarding, right? We've had actually multiple hybrid um, solutions for you know different brands um, because I, I do believe like part of the beauty is like you have to be able to get someone to set up a wallet with the, kind of not knowing they're setting up a wallet, right? You have to, you have to, we understand not your keys, not your cheese, but there's also an element of like, it, there can be some complexities that are out of this you know world and also that balance. And I will say like the other thing that within Odyssey that I know is like, I really love like nuances in storytelling and, and in UI UX, like, you know, I can interact and check my points without having to use my 2FA to log into my Nifty Gateway uh, marketplace. These are like that, like a little thing like that is the difference between me logging in on my phone to show someone at Starbucks and bragging about it versus like, oh, man, I don't have my, like, I'm not connected to the, you know, like, I don't have that, right? So like, there's like a, a fine balance there, which I think you'll, it'll continue to, to kind of morph and grow. Um, I also love, you know, like, I'm just like one of those people, like I got in the Discord and I just started scrolling back. Like, I was like, I want to hear what these conversations were at the beginning. Like, cause I'm just like the one that, cause I love being early. It's like literally my, like the brand and the business that I've run, but I also appreciate transparency, honesty, and, you know, caveats and like, Hey, you know, like I'm not speaking on behalf of the brand or we want to celebrate these things. And yes, it's okay. If you put a picture of your, your Dunkin' coffee, if you're a Starbucks audience, Audi, like a lot of these like, things that like communities are, are built around. But I, I, I am curious from a, um, you know, like, as you mentioned discord, right. And, you know, a lot of us had like a hate-hate relationship with Discord, uh, especially during the bull run. I think the bear market has kind of brought me around to like a hate-love relationship with with Discord in many ways. But we also know like community has to kind of play into the passive and the active, right? You have to rebuild a, you know, there needs to be kind of both of those worlds. But the the piece that you mentioned earlier, which ties into my question, you know, having an inclusive opportunity that has exclusive access is in my opinion, the balance that almost every NFT project did wrong during the bull run, right? The idea that like, A, you thought 10,000 people instantly would get along and share the same passions, you're ridiculous, right? Like, but then also like, you know, if there was no gate or there was always a gate or all of a sudden you went from 10,000 pieces to 100,000, a lot of those like, those like dynamics change. So I, I've, I've said this, you know, like the number one, like almost every community online fails um, even the ones that were really successful early, they fail at scale, right? They fail at the scale of like, how do I make people onboarding feel special, keep the loyal people loyal, and also like that whole piece. So I'm just curious from a um, a standpoint of like the moving parts right now, how much of it is like, hey, we're preparing for like the next phase and how much of it is like, hey, like we don't need to know all of these roadmap pieces because like we don't know that if, you know, I don't even know if, if someone all of a sudden has a wallet that fits in your, you know, your Apple wallet on your iPhone. Like there's a lot of like external factors that could impact, you know, how this goes. How are you looking at like continuing to innovate, but also continuing to just deliver on the promises that you know that you can deliver on right now? Yeah, that's a great, great question. I think the, 
the awesome thing so far has been the the commitment from Starbucks to use Odyssey as kind of a digital testing and playground, right? So like meaning they're going to use Odyssey as uh, a way to be innovative as a company, which is really cool to think about, right? Like if you're, if like when, so when cool opportunities come around, if it's feasible to do through Odyssey, like there's a chance you see it, right? So, you know, example, you might see AR stuff in the future, which is pretty cool for a a company like Starbucks to do something like that within a program like this that, you know, may not have gotten through, First of all, it just isn't possible in the current loyalty program. Like it makes it, you, it doesn't make sense, right? So there's now a reason and a place to do some of this really cool digital testing. And so I think to start to answer your question there, it's like the ability and openness and willingness to be nimble with some new changes, right? And, but I think also it's really about, streamlining the core things that make odyssey special which is killer killer content like you mentioned before is like how do we keep coming with really engaging fun ideas uh and and content which starbucks is fantastic at and then two how do we do it in a way that feels frequent enough but not overloaded or not like a journey desert, meaning like I've completed everything and now I'm sitting here waiting. Right. And so like, that's the stuff I think that we're working through right now, as far as like, how do you keep, how do you balance those things? And then once those things are kind of fine tuned in a way that, you know, there's, there's real process and speed that can be done there. That's when you're going to see, okay, there's willingness to play and test and utilize this atmosphere in a way that like a brand like Starbucks couldn't do with a normal loyalty program. So I think, uh, you know, I hope, I hope that answers your question there because, and then there's, you know, the community side is really interesting as well. Right. It's like, it lives on discord now. Um, Is that where it will live forever? Maybe, maybe not. Right. Like there's, I think um, a chance that you see, I, I think there's a chance that you see like this become so interesting that the community piece becomes integral to the entire Odyssey experience, and it's built kind of integrate in an integrated way to the the web app, right? Like there's a chance you see that in the future. Um, and you know the community part is was such a huge testing piece for Starbucks as well. Like they've never really done anything like this, and so far the feedback has been awesome. Like internally they're loving the community. It's uh, I think exceeding their expectations of what they thought would happen when you put, you know, a bunch of Starbucks fans in a, in a community and kind of gave them the shared goal and common interest. And like, you know, it's tough with uh, it's tough to like create community in the social media world, right? Where everybody's got an opinion. And like, I think what's really cool about Odyssey is that you've, you've got the things that make a community 
the recipe that makes a community really special, right? It's like, they've got this shared love for the brand. They've got this shared love for what the brand represents or their product, right? So you've got the coffee, the core values, you've got this ability to connect people all over the world with these shared interests. And you've got a rewarding experience and things for content for them to talk about or get to know people or, you know, events that we're doing in the discord. Like tonight we're having the VP of loyalty come in and, and chat with the community. And like, I, that's really powerful in my opinion, as far as like fostering that community, being transparent about the program and the future of it and how they see it from a Starbucks perspective. Right. And so there's just so much there. I think the potential is, is awesome. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I love this conversation. I think we could go on for hours upon hours. And, you know, I kind of knew that was going to be the case, especially after <laughs> Steve and I talked the first time uh, as well. And, and I, I mean, I, I think it's so like all those parts are like, you know, essential from like, you know, growth and adoption. And, and, you know, there was an announcement now, I think there's like another layer being added right to the, um, to the piece where there might be, you know, kind of a many to many transactional piece. Uh, give us a little like kind of preview of that, because when I saw that, I was excited and I was also like, wow, this is another test case, right? It's going to test on like those that are currently in there. How are you going to receive this kind of uh, interaction? Because it's a, it's kind of another way of you know engagement, you know, earning that, that side. Give us a little bit of a taste of that. Yeah, I think so. I think what you're referring to is the announcement yesterday that there will be uh, like a paid limited edition stamp drop that will happen on March 9th. And it's really interesting. It's going to be awesome to see how it plays out. Right. So, What's really cool about, I think, this program is it's it's not um, it's not what we've seen in terms of like, hey, brand comes in, brand does a drop, brand grabs your money, and brand doesn't live up to a promise. Like up to this point and in the future, there will always be low lift, free way to play this game and interact and participate, and then there's also going to be an option for you to purchase these limited edition collectibles from Starbucks. Right. And so those will not only be, you know, really cool kind of shorter supply, limited edition stamp generative artwork, which is really cool. Like the studio team did, I mean, it's been so cool to watch the brand do this, like their studio team created a, fully generative Starbucks art drop. And like, that was a really fun experience to work with them on. Right. And, um, and so that's, what's coming on in, in, uh, the next week or so. And, but they also have utility in the game, right? There are, there are odyssey points that will be associated with those. So, and they're going to work in a little different way right now. If you buy multiple stamps, you can't stack. You'll actually be able to stack the points on the, on the limited edition stamps. So, um, as we kind of like talk about getting into levels and stuff like that. And so, you know, there's this idea of collectability utility and, uh, and really just an, really another way to engage with Starbucks as a brand. Uh, I think the art is phenomenal. You're going to see some really cool pieces and sneak peeks there, but um, the, I'm, I'm just excited to see where this piece of it goes because there's uh, a lot of interesting things you can do once you start putting all the pieces together, right? Like stacking and sets and, you know, other types of utility that can come from all of that and the way you program back to stuff and um, to make, to demonstrate like why you should hold the stamp, demonstrate why you should hold the limited edition stamp, like all of that kind of stuff. And um, it's just really exciting to kind of watch it all kind of start coming together. 
I love that. And, you know, and I think like, you know, the, the idea of like, you know, collecting and like brand, you know, uh, you know, connection uh and my daughter's pointed out to me i didn't even dawn on me but like in my coffee mug section here in my house right like i have some of the yetis that i that i like to drink out of and then over the years like my daughters have got me some dad mugs that you know eventually break but there's five like on the top shelf and there are five that have the country from starbucks that i went to and there are five middle eastern countries that were my favorites i have a bahrain one i have a kuwait one uh, and i have them up there at the very top drink my coffee out of and my daughter's like, oh, daddy, you've been collecting Starbucks this whole time. And it, and I looked at her, I was like, wow, I didn't even like connect. But yes. to your point, like the, the, it was a great experience. It also reminded me, like, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I know where I was in Kuwait at this Starbucks that was marble mall, floor to ceiling. You know, people were able to smoke cigars inside there. So which was like a, <laughs> what's so cool about that, right, is like, and this is what I think is really cool about the NFT piece of this all where you can connect people, right? So this is a great example. And I talk about this as well. Like Starbucks used to do, like they did this limited edition run of like Seattle Mariners, Ichiro Starbucks cards, right? And like they're physical cards, people own them. And those people that own them are, you know, have probably a lot of things in common, but there's no way to know who they are. There's no way to program back to them or offer them anything as a brand. And there's no way to connect them to each other. Now, say you had a digital version of those mugs, right? That proved you were at a location. And now you can connect everybody together or offer everybody that has those something. I think that's really interesting. So like you could think of a a scenario in which, okay, you've got these been there mugs, right? And it's, hey, you know, everybody who's been to the coffee reserve store or the, the, you know, Seattle reserve store and has this, you know, mug NFT, well, we're throwing a party, come over and, you know, or, or, Hey, we're, uh, you know, we're, we're making a specific group for the reserve roastery, uh, folks in the discord. You can all come in and talk about your experience or, you know, things like that, or like, and then you can program uh, offers to them as well. And so I think like, that idea of that we've kind of collected brands for a long time, the physical version is so true, right? Like you've got sneakerheads, you've got these mug collectors, you've got people that collect Pez dispensers, you've got all this kind of stuff. And oh, yeah. the, the NFT of it all really allows you to connect all of that together and program an offer to it as well, which I think is such a, it's probably a good spot to like leave the the conversation on. Right. Yeah. It's like, it's just a, a, a loop of, of where we started and now where we're going. Right. And, and I say that as like behind my monitors, there's 12 Wheaties boxes and I have a storage unit with about 300 of them in there as that was part of my collecting journey. Right. And it has, there you go. I have all kinds of starting lineup. I, I, I was big into that side of my dad collected like newspaper articles on front page for the Steelers. And like, you know, like, I think that's such an interesting component and like the brand element of like, you know, like, I have all those Wheaties boxes. Wheaties never knew that I had them. I like I didn't have a marketplace to like resell them. Really, like I remember, I took one Cal Ripken Jr. box that didn't have his logo printed on it, which was like a was like a big rare thing. And I went to like the 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 uh, you know the sporting goods uh, thing that was going on in uh, DC. And and I remember how like awkward and weird it felt, like trying to transact with it, and it meant something to me. And I didn't want to sell it to like one of the old like smelly guys that would, like, didn't care about like, <laughs> like, like, like there's all, but there's all, there was also something that I remember. When I saw others that were walking in with these boxes, like, oh, which one do you got? Right. Like that, like, and I and I think this ties into a weird segue that kind of connects the whole thing. 
as adults, it's really hard to make friends. It's really hard to find our people, right? Like it's just like a truthful matter, right? And like at the end of the day, we as humans crave connection. We crave being accepted. We crave surrounding ourselves with good people that share in the things that we that we want. And as much as this digital world has allowed us to connect, it hasn't allowed us to really feel connected with people in ways that really go beyond, right? Shared interests, shared experiences, shared collectibles, shared visits. And like we haven't even like tapped the the, the like the start of that with NFTs. But I love what you and the team are doing at Starbucks. Definitely want to have you back on because I want to talk, you know, like other vehicles and lanes that make a little sense. I also really curious too on like for me, I love talking Starbucks example, but I feel like I always have to like follow it in with like four other examples that like could have been what Starbucks did, at the, but they like missed these giant pieces of so like any brand. I know I actually have a lot of, uh, you know, I had two people messaged me at the Steve episode, like excited for you to dive into the Starbucks conversation. And I was like, Oh, right. And like one of them, you know, I'll shout out to Bev. Uh, she is a executive at MGM and someone I've worked with for a long while. And I was like, oh my goodness, like the amount of properties and experiences they had, like, you know, like the, the amount of like, like light bulbs go off. Right. And I'm sure, you know, you live in that, in that world as well. But you know, this was, this was a lot of fun. Yeah. The more uh, like brands like that, the more shared kind of pieces they have in their ecosystem, the more possibilities uh, there are for something like this to be really impactful. It, it's really cool to talk. I mean, we've, we're now working for three with a bunch of other really, really high level brands, similar size to Starbucks. And it's just been really exciting to kind of dive into all of this with them and really unlock like that, that superpower potential of, of engaging consumers in a way that's like for the consumer as well, which is really interesting. Yeah. And it's, and it's a, it's a balance and I have to just tip my hat. I, I was you know partially excited just to have you on the podcast. So I could just say, I see what you guys are doing and appreciate it. Right. Because <laughs> I've been there. Right. And it is often a thankless piece. And like, there's like, you'll, you'll get appreciation from the brand on the inside and you'll have someone complain that they can't turn. Why can't I buy it with crypto? It's only in USD. And then you, <laughs> and you're like, really of all the things like you, you don't want to hit the, you know, let you know, and like, that is such a, like a balance. So, you know, kudos to yourself, the team, you know, kudos to, to Starbucks leadership as well for, you know, taking the risk, trusting, you know, uh, you know, the team, trusting the, the uh, implementation and also like, you know, the rolling with the punches, right? Like the, you know, the element of all these different, you know, moving parts, both internally, externally, uh, you know, exciting times we're living in, exciting, uh, you know, to be a, a holder as well as, you know, just someone that's passionate in that, in that community and what NFTs are. And I will challenge everybody that's listening, right? Like I, I don't make a lot of asks. You don't have to pay for this content. It's not gated behind there, but you know, I would, I would just take this episode, right. And put it into your like notes app on your phone. And every time when someone's like, I don't understand NFTs and I'm not, they're just for the, the kids that are gambling or they don't have this value prop and just send them and ask them, Hey, just give this a listen and start to think about like the, when they start thinking loyalty and shrinking the distance and, and community in ways that community didn't exist. And let's face it, connecting people with people and crediting that to there. And in the weirdest of seg- uh, ties in there, I wouldn't have gotten to know yourself or Steve more than likely at this level, if it wasn't for Starbucks Odyssey. So, you know, okay. that alone is like one of those like unlocks that we are uh, very thankful for. So uh, yeah, yeah, we'll put links in there for Forum 3 as well. Like I just love, you know, supporting, amplifying, you know, great brands, great, uh, you know, people in this space. And uh, I'm excited for more stuff coming down the pipe for sure. 
Yeah, this has been awesome. So appreciate you for having me on and just want to shout out the entire Starbucks loyalty team. Uh, they've been so awesome to work with on this, the Starbucks studio, putting together these awesome pieces of art that are, that you'll see soon. And just, uh, you know, the person from form three that's in the trenches with me on this stuff every day is, is, uh, Morgan Matoski. And she, uh, it's funny her and I, um, like when we first went to, to Starbucks in May, we were in a boardroom literally by ourselves with a bunch of whiteboards and we kind of designed the first bones of this. And so, uh, she, yeah, so, so she's, uh, she's my ride or die on, on the Odyssey project from the forum three side. And obviously, uh, uh, you know, huge credit to her for everything that's kind of been put out here as well. So, um, but yeah, man, this has been awesome. I, I would love to come back sometime and, and chat more. For sure. And maybe we'll bring Morgan back with you. And I will say, you know, I've really enjoyed uh, uh, Morgan's takes on, you know, uh, Coffee with Captain over there on DJ Network in the morning. Uh, she was saying a couple things today and I was laughing. I was having a good old time on just like that, you know, that dynamic. And, you know, and, and also, you know, I, I will say for those that are just listening to this episode, you know, give the episode with Steve a listen as well. And like, you know, understanding his journey, NFT Bark, and also just kind of like that entry point, right, where he's coming in, helping uh, from a community perspective, connected with the, you know, DJ network. And, you know, for all those that are struggling to find your way or find your people or your community and NFTs, like stay curious, stay open, stay involved. You will, you have no idea what's going to unlock what people are going to be able to connect you with things. And, and there are so many things that I think are just so beautifully done in space that it might just be a little bit early, right? The timing of a lot of these things uh, are coming to life, but you know, I, I do believe in like these type of use cases, this type of experience uh, is what's not only going to you know push us forward, but it's going to be eventually become more of the rule, less of the exception. Uh, but until, uh, until next episode, everyone, Make it a great day. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you for listening to NFT 365. If you found this helpful, let us know by leaving a review, like, subscribe, share, and do all of those good things. Join our email list to keep up with all things NFT 365. We appreciate you spending a little of your time with us. And as always...